I entitled my sermon, You've Been Charged. You've Been Charged. And I know that might bring some unpleasant memories to some folks in here this evening, but I'm going to make it better for you, so just follow along with me if you could. Several uses of the word charged. We all use them pretty much every day. The word charged means intense. You know, I'm charged. I'm charged up. You could sense that electricity as we were worshiping the Lord tonight. There was a, like an, a, a spiritual, supernatural charge of the Holy Ghost in this place. And that's one way we can use that word, intense, impassioned, right? High emotion. Another use of the word charge is, uh, you know, attack. And, and that's another word that we, another way we can use that word. And then, like I started off with, to place guilt or blame upon. They've been charged. I want to look at a definition of that word charge that has lost its use in the modern uh, times that we're living in over many, many years. And it's a word that we find in the Old Testament, the use of that word, charged. In King David's time, the word charged, as he used it, was to give official authority or legal power to someone, to commission, to give responsibility to a person or group to be responsible for something. And so in 1 Kings chapter 2, if we turn uh, your Bibles over to that this evening, I'm going to look with you at uh, King David as he was charging his son, Solomon, giving him advice, giving him a challenge, giving him an inspiration that you and I need to take hold of today. And in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 2, and in verse 1, it says, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He said, I'm about to go the way of the earth, or about to die. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him, and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and when, uh, wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me, with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. And so what King David was doing to Solomon was he was charging him with the responsibility to pass on the standard and the pattern of God's word to his children and to the next generation of Israelites. Today, if uh, we were listening to David and 
We were in the room listening to him give that charge to his son Solomon. He might have worded it this way. Now, son, I'm about to die, but I want you to keep going. I charge you to keep strong. I challenge you to be a man and keep charging forward. When others quit, keep charging forward. While others are abandoning their post, keep the charge going forward. Keep it alive. Keep it going. While others are playing footsies with the world, keep the charge and be faithful to the command of God's word. While others are surrendering to the call of compromise, keep the charge, keep the, keep the word of God faithful to you and to your generation. And he said, because uh, if you want God's blessing, if you want to prosper, God promised me if you would obey what I'm saying uh, that there will always be a king uh, in Israel. And what that meant uh, was that God will always be there guiding them and leading them through his man. That's the charge. And this evening, how seriously the question has to be asked, are we taking the charge of God that has come through his word in our lives as Christian leaders, as pastors, uh, and uh, as families? You and I have been charged with the same responsibility King David gave to his son Solomon to maintain the standard of God's word reaching forth and passing that standard and pattern of God's word of righteousness uh, and dedication to God without compromise to the next generation. John Maxwell wrote, the best leaders lead today with tomorrow in mind by making sure that they invest in those who will carry their legacy forward. And that's what we do when we have children's ministries and programs. That's what we do when we have summits like this. That's what we do whenever we have any types of events uh, that bring forth the Word of God. It's not just so we can get together and sing Kumbaya. It's not just so that we can see what each other is wearing, uh, what the latest styles are, and what's going on in somebody's life, but it's that we could come together to ensure that our next generation is going to be strong. And that's only going to happen when you and I are, are, are stable and planted securely in the Word of God. And when that is happening, when we are, are planted, when we accept the charge of God and we accept the responsibility there's going to be an insurance uh, that God will be there with that generation, that God will be there to guide that generation. Jesus did the same thing that King David did to his son Solomon when he spoke to the disciples to carry on uh, the command and the commission in Matthew 28, 19, that we know the great uh, uh, commission. And he says... Uh, he gave his disciples and spoke to them and given them uh, uh, the command. He said, teach these new disciples to obey 
all the commands I've given to you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go make disciples and baptize them. And make sure that you teach them what I taught you. And when you do that, I'm going to be with you. I don't know about you, but I want God with me. I want God with my family. I want God with this ministry. How is that going to happen? When I am obedient, when we are obedient to the charge and the command that God has given us to his word to disseminate that to the next generation. Successful people of God will make sure that there are people in place to carry on. And that's what David was saying to Solomon. That when I die, I want to make sure that Solomon, you're going to carry on and you're going to be obedient and that you're going to pass these truths on to your children and equip them to carry on. Succession is only one of the keys of responsibility that God has given to us as his children, as leaders, the people of God. Jesus commanded the 120 in the upper room, and he says, go throughout all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses. Testify about me. Prepare them and teach them the standard, the pattern of what I've given to you. You can't get away from that. Throughout the Word of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that charge, that responsibility has been given to every generation. It's critical for you and I for so, so many reasons we're going to take a look at this evening. Again, another example is the Apostle Paul and his charge to Timothy, the next generation leader. In 2 Timothy 2, in verse 1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will also be able to teach others also. And on through the word of God, in the Old Testament, Moses did the same thing to Joshua. Joshua did the same thing uh, to his leaders. And it's critical that we not fail doing that because what the problem is, is when, we, when you go through the Old Testament, you read that when that charge wasn't followed through, when that commitment to make sure that the next generation was, was being taught, the standards, uh, the principles, the patterns of God's word and the success that comes from obeying those principles and patterns, then destruction, idolatry began to take over the people of God. And you see, we see, unfortunately, in our nation here today and through much of the world, we see the reason why we're in the condition we're in. We see the reason why the, we, we, we read about everyday violence, destruction, 
murders that are taking place every single day. We are commanded through God's word to make sure we teach the next generation. And let me tell you, this is not an option. Option. It's not, it's not conditional, but it is a command this evening. We are charged to guard the pattern. That's what Solomon or David was telling, telling Solomon when he says, I want you to be a man. Man up in a generation that you're going to have battles with. Man up and stand for God in a generation that is going to be perverse. Make sure you don't sidestep the principles of God's Word and teach your children to do the very same thing. In other words, guard those things that I'm speaking to you about. Sadly today, in the world and in the Christian world, those principles and standards, precepts and patterns of the very things that Moses and David were speaking to their generation about have been left by the wayside. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. So a whole generation passed away. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed themselves down to them and provoked the Lord to anger. This is what happens when we fail to pass the treasures and to guard the word of God and ensure the next generation is going to follow those patterns. Think about what's going on today. The simplest things, the most obvious things that we take for granted, it seems that knowledgeable people are having trouble with. Today our society is having trouble with a definition of what a man or a woman is and which one is supposed to have babies. Now, when you think about it, you, 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 you kind of wonder, I mean, how stupid can somebody be? How ignorant can somebody be to have a problem figuring out who's supposed to have babies? But this is how far our society has gone and how far they have drifted away from sanity and have yielded to insanity inspired by demonic forces. Now, I received a letter a few weeks ago after I preached the sermon on Father's Day. And I preached the sermon on Father's Day, and I spoke about fathers and the importance of fathers. 
and how God honors fathers and how created man and woman and created their roles. And I said in my sermon, look, I love women. I'm married to one. So I have no problem with women. But God designed men and women uh, for different avenues of life. And so I got a letter from someone, and uh, it was a long letter, and it was an official letter and this, from this group of people, and this man was writing, I think he was a, a Christian man, he says. He said, please stop and refrain from talking about men and fathers as being superior and, and more valuable than women are. And then he went on with his diatribe of, of stupidity and foolishness. And, and I, I didn't respond back to it. But you see, this man was, was writing, and I hope he's listening tonight because you're a fool if you are. And what he's trying to do, and, and what, what these folks, these folks are trying to do is to intimidate us because we believe the Word of God and making us feel like we shouldn't uh, stand to the Word of God, the standards of principles and patterns, and be sorry for being men and women of God. That's what they're trying to do. And this is the intimidation, and this is the strategy that you are facing right now and who are going to have to take a stand and teach your children those principles, patterns, uh, and precepts uh, of what God says a man is and what God says a woman is. And you see what happens when we don't do that and we take for granted and, and, and we just kind of lottie dog through our Christianity and, you know, just take the Word of God as, oh, it's, just a, it's just a Bible, it's, it's whatever, and, you know, it's not all that important. Listen. It's the future of the next generation of this church, of this fellowship. If we don't take it seriously. Thank God for New Harvest Christian School. For our homeschoolers that they get the Word of God through their education, a quality education, but yet a firm foundation between right and wrong, stupidity and ignorance versus being smart. Wisdom from above, the Bible calls it. And you see why I said when I started this sermon off, we're family here, and I can talk to us like family. We, we are family. That's what we are. And we need to understand there's an assault against your children. A real assault against your children and it's not going to get any easier, I'm sorry to say. And what you're going to need to do is to make sure that you speak to your kids and teach them what the book of Genesis says about a man and a woman and how God created men and women. And until... Someone can show me that the Word of God says that a man can have a baby and was created to have a baby. You know what? It ain't happening. I'm not falling for it. I don't care how many 
how many operations a person has. It doesn't make any difference to me. And you see, it's not only affecting our children, but society as a whole. It's dividing religious institutions, this kind of thinking. It's tearing apart, disunifying organizations that were once a powerhouse of evangelism have now been cut in two simply because somewhere along the line someone forgot to pass on the standard and the principles of God's word to their children. And now we have what we have taking place today. The sad thing it's done is it's caused not only a deep division in Christianity, but it's brought a confusion and a mistrust to unbelievers that are wondering, man, you know, why should I go to church if they haven't got it together? Why should I go? If they can't, if they can't have some kind of peace, why should I even go there? Because they're divided. You see, God needs for you and I to be united as the people of God, as men and women of God, in the principles of God's word. Because the Bible says that a house divided will not stand. And we need to, as a ministry and as a fellowship, stand in unity without any shadow of a doubt and love people. We love people. We love people. People, God loves people, but it does not mean we have to agree with them when it contradicts the Word of God. You see, when we follow the principle of equipping, preparing the next generation, we charge them with the responsibility to lead the future generations. They're going to inherit the, the blessings and the prosperity and the promises of God in their lives. Because that's conditional as we read in the Word of God. It's based on conditions uh, that they follow and that they, they allow their lives to be guided uh, by God's truth. The Apostle Paul picks up this thought for Timothy. And he says, consider what you heard me say to be the pattern or the blueprint of accurate teachings. With the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, protect or guard the good news that has been entrusted to you. We're called to guard the good news. Called to guard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility. That's what David was giving to Solomon. That's what Moses gave to Joshua. That's what Paul gave to Timothy, and on and on. And we dare not stop guarding the truth of God's Word, no matter who wants to change it. It's the blueprint. You know when a, an architect designs a home or a building... And he lays out the floor plans and 
all the mechanicals and electricals and everything that goes along with it. He spends hours and hours and hours doing that. And he finally gives those blueprints, once they've been approved, gives them to the contractor or to the builder. And the builder and contractor get those blueprints and they do precisely what those blueprints say they need to do. Every wall, every plug, every light, every fixture, every plumbing, whatever it is, is in its place. They don't have the liberty to, oh, you know what? I think it would look better over here. Let's, let's just, what do you think, guys? Should we change it? Yeah, why don't we go ahead and change it? That doesn't happen. It doesn't take place unless they get permission from the architect. And so let me tell you something. I haven't gotten permission from the architect of God's word to say it's okay for this to go on and for that to go on, for this to change and this to change. I haven't got that yet. And until I hear from God in his word, he shows me it ain't happening. We need to guard the blueprint of God's word. It's no light issue. It's no small thing. And too many people look at it as negotiable or non-essential. The instilling of God's word as God has given it to us ensure our future generation. I want to close this down this evening with a pattern of repetition. And I believe as we look in, in the Word of God and as the parents of children are challenged to every day rehearse to them God's Word when they go to bed and when they rise up, what they're talking about is repetitiveness, repetition, doing something over and over again, not just once in a while. It's practice. You know, when someone's in sports, they don't just practice once in a while when they feel like it or the weather's nice. If they want to be successful in sports, there's a repetitiveness that takes place even out of season. The, 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 the excellent uh, athletes, the ones uh, who are, are above average, they even exercise themselves even during the off-seasons. It's repetitive. There's no question about it. And we need to do that very same thing uh, with uh, not only our lives, uh, but the next generation, the children that we're raising, the young adults uh, that we're trying to instill values in. It's not just once and a while, but it's a repetitive practice. We need to build continually repeatedly build the faith of these young people. Whatever it takes to, to, to build them up in the Word of God, to establish them up in the faith of God's Word, let's continue to do that on an ongoing basis. We need leaders, a generation of leaders who are willing to invest in those young adults who are willing to invest in those children. Thank God for children's ministries. Thank God for those workers right now who are outside, who are in the classrooms, if that's the case, who are in the nurseries. What are they doing? 
They are investing in your children, in your family, for the next generation to rise up uh, and to inherit the promises and the blessings uh, of God, building their faith and reminding them daily of who God is and what God has done for us. Because we read in Joshua that a whole generation passed away and died and a new generation grew up and they never heard about the miracles and the wonders that God had done in their forefathers. Why? Because it wasn't passed on. It wasn't passed on. And the, con and the ensuing result, the consequences, was idolatry, was all kinds of perversions. And they forgot about God. So, so important, church. When we go back to our churches, us here in Norwalk, you're listening online, whatever the case might be, that there's a repetitiveness, a, a consistency, and a disciplining in our lives uh, that when we rise up, we tell our kids about God and God's blessing and how, how, how He blessed us and how He's meeting our needs. Stop telling them about the problems. Stop telling them about all the things that are going wrong. Talk to them about the blessings of God, how God is going to meet their needs, how God is going to provide Repeat that over and over. Paul says to Timothy in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith, that, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. And he's reminding Timothy about that. I'm sure Timothy knew, but Paul wants him to, to know, look, miracles happened in generations before you. Constantly reminding those who we're working with, we need leaders. We need people to answer the call of responsibility, the charge. This week, we're going to be charged. You know what it is to charge? Do it every day. You just pull that card out and you tap it, make it so easy to charge. Just tap. You don't even have to put it in anymore. We know what it is to charge. I want you to accept the charge this week. Through the messages you're going to be hearing, the workshops you're going to be involved in, accept the charge to be mission-minded. Your children are a mission in your life. That's your mission field. Priority number one. Your family is your mission field. And to keep them from deception, keep them from falling for, for the enemy's strategies, that's our mission field. And from there, it expands. What we need to do is to remind that generation. I'm so excited when I see young adults getting involved in ministry, rising up to leadership levels, becoming <laughs> ministers to their other gener the younger generation. That's so exciting because what they're doing is they're, they're, they're beginning to exercise the gifts uh, that they have and investing those in somebody else. That's discipleship. That's who we are. That's what's supposed to be happening. We can all do that. But it starts with us here. 
and we begin to challenge those uh, young leaders, identify them, build them up, encourage them, give them what they need uh, to grow. And that's exactly what David was saying to Solomon. Be a man. Grow up. Teach your children and generation. Then, as our music ministry makes their way up this evening, what we need to do is be consistent examples. When we take the charge and the responsibility that we have, consistency is so important. Exampleship is critical. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, Join with others in following my example. And take note of those who live according to the pattern that we gave you. In other words, don't just be an example on Tuesday or Wednesday or Sunday. Don't just be an example when it's convenient. But be an example because our exampleship starts in the home, parents. It starts in the home with our children, and it begins to flow out from there to those that we're leading or teaching, those that we work with. Exampleship is critical. Consistency. I read a story about three little girls who were talking about their dads. And one little girl said, my father is a doctor and he practices medicine. The next little girl said, my dad is an attorney, and he practices law. And the third little girl said, my father is a Christian, but he doesn't practice anymore. Sadly, that describes too many people. That at one time, they were grounded and settled in the faith. And they accepted the charge of God to pass on what they've learned to the next generation, whatever that is, whomever that is. But somewhere along the line, they stopped practicing their faith. They stepped back into a place of complacency relaxation and came up with the thought let somebody else do it God help us that we don't fall into that place where we begin to drift away from the charge of God to pass on what we've learned to pass on to the next generation the principles, the patterns of God's Word. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ and the things that you've heard from me from many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men also who will be able to teach others. It's a charge this evening. Will you accept that charge? If you're in a place of complacency or comfort in your walk with God doesn't mean you're not going to make it into heaven. I don't know. I'm not the one that decides who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. I mean, I don't know if people believe in heaven and hell anymore either. But I'm not the one to decide. God's the one that makes that decision.
But if you find yourself in a place of comfort and complacency, it's time to rise up, to pick up the mantle, take the charge, take the responsibility, whether you're a leader or not, and say, God, I want to be different. I'm going to take it seriously. This world is going crazy. And I don't want my kids, my family, to wind up like that. So I'm going to do what David did to his son and what Moses did to Joshua and what Paul did to Timothy. I'm going to take responsibility. As we bow our heads for a few moments,